on this season, we'll be exploring the moral panics, urban legends, and conspiracy theories that shape our psychology and culture, and why we end up believing them. I'm your host, Chelsea Glover-Smith, and this is American Hysteria. Is this really a woman that you're looking at? Or is it all an illusion? Because what are they giving birth to? The New World Order satanic reign. Protocols of Zionism designed to give the synagogue of Satan ultimate world domination. The public's finally waking up to the fact that Hillary Clinton's a reptilian shapeshifter. So I'm definitely interested to see where this new election goes. My first real introduction to the Illuminati and their New World Order came when I was a freshman in college in 2007 by a movie suggestion from my dad, who always had a new conspiracy theory to share with me. Zeitgeist was one of the first movies you could get streaming online for free, which made it feel noble, like someone was finally doing something not just for the money. At first, it seemed to be a hip critique of religion, of the government, of the rich, you know, all the good stuff. And it felt easy to believe against the background of Bush's presidency, of the remaining unanswered questions from 9-11, and the misleading reasons for a war in Iraq that I was actively protesting against. I just sort of accepted the Illuminati as secret fact. But the thing I didn't know at the time, the thing I didn't know until years later, was that the movie Zeitgeist and the ones that came after it completely rebranded the Illuminati conspiracy. The idea that a global cabal of elite rulers control and manipulate world events has actually always been a serious American fear. Eventually, I started to see these little hints of a scarier side to this conspiracy that I was known to chatter on about, half-joking, but also, if I'm being honest, half-serious. I felt the need to do a deeper dive into the origins of this story. And when I did, I found a confusing mess of anti-Semitism, New Age mysticism, Christian extremism, radical right-wing militia propaganda, and ufology, that is, the study of UFOs. What I found was, at times, hilarious, and at other times, deeply alarming. I wondered how we got here, to 2018, when in formation, our most mega of mega celebrities sings, y'all haters corny with that Illuminati mess. Beyonce, who was accused, among other things, of naming her daughter Blue Ivy as an acronym for Born Living Under Evil, Illuminati's very youngest. For this episode, I'll explore the progression of the Illuminati story, along with its effects, and try to understand why some people, including me, are more prone to believing than others. And also, how this seemingly silly story has emboldened people throughout history to do some unimaginably terrible things. This is the mother of all conspiracy theories. Every other conspiracy theory can be entered into its folds. Any evidence against them is seen as planted or forged, purposeful misdirection, as propaganda of the state or of Satan. In fact, this very podcast episode could be accused of being that very kind of propaganda, paid for by the Rothschild family, with yours truly as their mind control puppet, a bona fide member of the Illuminati itself. You'll find me sitting underground with Beyonce and Jay-Z, on a throne made of bones, holding an occultic golden chalice, drinking bright red American blood. First things first, let's start with a story from the time I believed. I was moving from Port Townsend, Washington, down to the Bay Area, and I thought it would be fun to take a road trip with you, and you were living in Seattle, so... So I'm talking to my friend Austin Smith here. We went to graduate school together at the University of Virginia in Charlottesville. 
invited you to come along and I don't remember too many of the places we stayed north of San Francisco until we arrived in the little town of Guerneville, which is in deep in the Redwoods, um, pretty close to the coast. And somehow or other, we ended up in this kind of interesting campground that was also, it seemed, um, more of a permanent residence for some people. There were trailers and people were kind of camped out there for the long haul. And, uh, we stayed there a few nights. I also have a cousin named Colin who at the time, maybe a year or so before this trip that we took, um, he had kind of gone through some changes. He, including a name change, he was going by the name tree music at the time. My cousin, Alex and I, his, this was Colin's brother. We went with Colin, AKA tree music, um, to this weird festival about two hours north of San Francisco. I, I think it was called Soul Fest. And Colin and Alex got into an argument. And this argument involved a claim that Colin slash Tree Music was making about the Illuminati. He was telling us that there was this camp north of San Francisco. Um, I believe he even called it Bohemian Grove, where um, very powerful people would gather once a year. And he claimed that Donald Rumsfeld came to this, um, to this event every year and that there was this massive wooden owl set back in the redwoods that these people would, would pray to, I guess pray is probably the wrong word, um, worship in some way. And Alex thought that this, that this was completely insane. And so I was just kind of sitting in the middle of that argument. And, uh, I, I don't recall which side of it I fell on, but I remember thinking if Donald Rumsfeld is worshiping a 40 foot tall wooden owl in the redwoods, you know, that's actually kind of, <laughs> that's actually kind of interesting and maybe even a little bit cool. And I kind of wanted it to be true. Well, and then I remember you, um, because I also met Colin slash tree music on that trip. There was conversation around the, the stone owl then I think it was stone, but I don't know. Oh, my fault. Stone. That's All right. right. <laughs> Austin, get it right. So when we got to this place, we were talking to these people and suddenly they're telling us these stories about how they all work at Bohemian Grove. And I remember at that moment, I like shot you a look across this <laughs> fire that we were at. And it was um, this this like generations of families that had worked at Bohemian Grove. And it was a son and a mother. And they were saying things like I remember someone saying like, yeah, Henry Kissinger loves the salsa I made. And I, <laughs> I remember that, too. And then. And the other guy was saying, yeah, they put on these robes and they worship a stone owl. And it's a play they put on. They're just really weird. Like, they're just really quirky rich people. They just put on this play where they pretend to sacrifice something. And I am just sitting there, like, <laughs> looking at you like, this is my, this is a firsthand evidence that this is true. The, the mom said, oh, yeah, I can't be there past noon because that's when the men go underground. <laughs> and because I had just met tree music and had talked to him at length about the Illuminati and especially the stone owl and Bohemian Grove and these specifics of the story. I was, you know, before I was kind of like, you know, Chelsea, come on, like, this isn't real and you know it. it. It's so silly. And then it's one of those moments where something just clicks into place and you're like, oh my God, is this really, is this really true? And that night I definitely went to bed just and stared up at the stars for my sleeping bag, which is like, oh, man. Like, okay, so Bohemian Grove exists. There's this huge stone owl in the woods. Well, what do you do about that? I mean, 
it's something to fixate upon and it gives us a tangible image that of something of an issue that is otherwise intangible. And I think that's why we're drawn to it, perhaps, you know. Don't get me wrong here. Bohemian Grove is a real place, a men's only club for the most powerful in the world. And they do put on a dramatic play created by the owners of the club called the Cremation of Care, a ritual to revere the Redwoods with a huge bonfire by the giant stone owl and a play that appears as a sacrifice. They also drink heavily, smoke countless cigars in the dry forests, don creepy costumes, and make actual political and business decisions while they are there. Basically, it's a frat boy secret society two-week binge party that actually may decide some of our future. I won't deny that. And I won't deny that politicians, CEOs, and celebrities can do harmful things and are shielded from consequences by their power. But that's not what the Illuminati theory is saying. I think we'd better start at the beginning. On May 1st, 1776, a Bavarian law professor named Adam Weishaupt formed a group called the Order of Illuminists. At the time, he couldn't afford the membership fee to join the Freemasons, so Weishaupt hoped to create his own secular rationalist organization similar to the Freemasons, with a goal of freeing all societies of the world from established religious and political authority. After gaining 2,500 members and lasting only 11 or 12 years, the organization was dissolved when secret societies were made illegal in Bavaria. And that might have been the end of it. But 20 years later, a Scottish physicist named John Robeson published proofs of a conspiracy against all the religions and governments of Europe carried on in the secret meetings of Freemasons, Illuminati, and Reading Societies, which spread rumors that the Order of Illuminists and the Freemasons were the puppet masters behind the French Revolution. Robeson wrote that the Illuminati were hell-bent on destroying religion, and that the members had done things like create a tea that caused abortions and could blind or kill when squirted in the face of an enemy. The rumors soon crossed the ocean, landing mainly on American religious pulpits, with the rationalist founding fathers becoming suspect for their participation in the Freemason secret societies. And the splinters the fears caused led to America's first official third party, the Anti-Masonic Party, as well as rumors lasting to this day that the founding fathers added secret symbols and messages in plain sight, like on our money. Then in 1921, two writers named Nesta Webster and Edith Starr Miller added a new deadly feature to the Illuminati lore. Both were serious fangirls of fascism, both very anti-Semitic, and together they helped popularize the 1901 Protocols of the Elders of Zion, a thoroughly debunked fabrication of the alleged minutes from a late 19th century meeting in which Jewish leaders of a powerful secret cabal planned their world domination through gaining control of the press and economy. That same year, researchers found that the book was made up of plagiarized statements from two different fictional sources. But then, THE Henry Ford had 500,000 copies of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion printed and distributed throughout the U.S., along with a ton of other anti-Semitic works. Henry Ford was well-liked by Hitler, so much so that he was the only American name found in his memoir, Mein Kampf, and a life-sized framed portrait of Ford hung beside Hitler's desk. I really want to drive home how influential this forged text has truly been. Hitler read the protocols in the 1920s and referred to it many times in his early speeches. Without the idea that came from the protocols, the idea that Jews were controlling the world with evil intentions, the Nazis may have had a more difficult time turning them into their own folk devil, that is, their scapegoat, to justify the horrors they committed. 
Right after World War II, accusations were leveled against the Rothschild family, who had long been famous for being both rich and Jewish, that they successfully faked some or even all of the Holocaust in order to create a lasting sympathy toward Jewish people, making their eventual world domination that much easier. It is a big idea, a new world order, where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause, to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind, peace and security, freedom and the rule of law. That 1991 speech by George Bush Sr. at the end of the Cold War contained a buzzword that would propel the Illuminati myth even farther into the public eye, the New World Order. Televangelist Pat Robertson helped the Illuminati become a sort of catch-all term in the early 90s when he and other TV preachers began popularizing the New World Order as a good-versus-evil spiritual battle that had been raging since the Garden of Eden. Let's hear a little excerpt from Pat Robertson's book, New World Order. Such a world government can come together only after the Christian United States is out of the way. After all, a vital, economically strong, Christian United States would have at its disposal the spiritual and material force to prohibit a worldwide satanic dictator from winning his battle. Televangelists sloppily scrubbed the conspiracy clean of its anti-Semitism, while at the same time using Nesta Webster's writing as their main inspiration. They repurposed the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, saying that the only part of the document that was fake was the part about the Jews being the ones in charge. They said the Illuminati just put in that bit about Jews to throw off the scent. Following the occult ideas that also appeared constantly in Nesta Webster's writing, they claimed that the Illuminati was in cahoots with the Antichrist and that they used rituals, symbols, and other forms of dark magic to influence the population and subvert the teachings of Jesus. Think of the New World Order as the Illuminati's world domination plan, a one-world government and religion controlled by an elite few with an eventual goal of mass imprisonment of the population, using such groups as the United Nations to manipulate world events for their benefit. They create disasters to disrupt and disarm the public so that they can suspend the Constitution and then impose martial law using an army of foreign UN peacekeepers, detain detractors, and tattoo a number on every person that they can use to purchase goods. If it seemed like war yesterday, the reinforcements showed up tonight. At the center of it all, of course, is the bombed-out shell of the federal office building, and in its shadow, the exhausted, who for a day and a half now have sifted through its debris and counted its dead and seen up close why they call it terror. In 1995, Oklahoma City bomber Timothy McVeigh's truck bomb killed 168 people and wounded more than 680 others in one of the worst domestic terrorist attacks in U.S. history. McVeigh was looking for revenge against the federal government, believing that during their messy raid of the Waco compound, they had targeted and murdered cult leader David Koresh and the Branch Davidians for one single reason, that they were stockpiling firearms. But what did McVeigh and those like him believe would happen after the Patriots were disarmed? Something called FEMA death camps, that is, U.S. concentration camps set up after a fake disaster manufactured by the Illuminati. 
the Federal Emergency Management Agency would imprison so-called patriots under the guise of disaster relief, and then eventually kill them for population control. Timothy McVeigh and others like him in the growing militia movement were almost certainly emboldened by the protocols by Nesta Webster and Henry Ford. McVeigh was certainly influenced by a disturbing novel called The Turner Diaries, a book about a violent overthrow of the United States, which is controlled by a Jewish cabal, and the subsequent extermination of Jews, gay people, and non-whites. These ideas made it into tons of pamphlets that were disseminated at gun shows, fanning the paranoid flames of people who could be like Timothy McVeigh, setting up a nebulous enemy, a threat to fight against. They reveled in the denial of the existence of real, historically proven concentration camps and raged against alleged, fake future concentration camps that would see them as the primary victims. But there was another, even more outlandish story being told. The famous ufologist Bill Cooper's Behold a Pale Horse, another favorite in militia circles, told Americans that both aliens and the Illuminati had signed a treaty in 1954 with Dwight D. Eisenhower and had been in power on Earth ever since. And then David Icke, a popular BBC sports reporter, really brought the New World Order out of the fundamentalist right wing and into the New Age, and he created a non-Christian template for other types of people to enter into the conspiracy. Putting things in terms of energy rather than in strict biblical terms, his book The Biggest Secret also expanded Cooper's alien theory for the same alternative crowd. The book says that these aliens, that he calls reptilians, live both in outer space and on Earth, inside underground tunnels and caverns. He says it may be difficult at first to identify one of these reptilians, as they have bred with humans over time, giving them the look of a humanoid. And through selective mating, they interbreed to keep the bloodlines thriving and in power. These reptilians can also shapeshift and travel into different dimensions and can only be defeated by our collective human enlightenment, some kind of leveling up of consciousness. When I look at these people, which, which I would say are absolutely reptilian, people like Tony Blair and Clinton, Barack Obama, no matter what their face is doing, smiling, happy, slappy, their eyes don't change. More after this. You ever notice how finding time and energy to do the most basic human necessity, eat literal food, has become just another exhausting task jammed into our increasingly inhuman schedules? Well, your spring can be a little more stress-free with Factor. Factor will provide you with delicious, never-frozen, ready-to-eat gourmet meals that are chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to eat in just two minutes. Each week, you get to choose from a menu of 35 options to create your perfect breakfast, lunch, or dinner with absolutely no prepping, cooking, or cleaning up. And Factor makes sure you get exactly what you want. You can tailor deliveries to your schedule and customize how many meals you want each and every week, and you can pause anytime. So just head to factormeals.com slash American Hysteria 50 and use code American can hysteria 50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box that's code american hysteria 50 at factormeals.com/americanhysteria50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active check out factor today 
The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. And now, back to the show. At the same time, references to the Illuminati also reached a totally different world, the emerging hip-hop labels on the West and East Coasts. As the genre exploded in popularity, artists began including lyrical mentions about the Illuminati starting in 1995 with LL Cool J's I Shot Ya, where he says, Illuminati want my mind, soul, and body. And soon, AZ, the Wu-Tang Clan, Dr. Dre, and others began following suit, and the trend really caught on. But paranoiacs outside the hip-hop world believed that these were hints that the new genre had been infiltrated, and its artists were now under elite control. Even now, Jay-Z's label Rock Nation's infamous hand sign, the holding together of both hands to form a triangle, is said to be a nod to the Illuminati's favorite symbol, the Eye of Providence, that pyramid with the eye on top of it you see on the dollar bill, the same one allegedly planted there by the Freemason founding fathers, representing the all-seeing eye of the Illuminati. And now celebrities too, and most especially successful black celebrities, were seen and still are as a dangerous and lasting part of the New World Order, prepared to hypnotize the nation away from Christ's message in occult music videos and performance rituals. Bolstered by the work of televangelists and fundamentalist conspiracy theorists dating back to Nesta Webster, the Illuminati became loaded most heavily with associations to the occult, which linked it easily to paganism and Egyptian symbolism and satanic mysticism, elements to this day that are seen by theorists in almost every single thing that any popular celebrity ever does. For example, the covering of one eye is yet another shout-out to that same Eye of Providence. As the internet became commonplace and anyone could add their two cents to the conspiracy, all these ideas, ideas of elite Jews, of reptilian aliens, of the Antichrist and the occult, of false flag shootings and fake disasters, of celebrity satanic rituals, mixed together and cross-pollinated and mutated into its own kind of complicated religion. I'll cover some of them now. Just let me get ready. <clears throat> 9-11 was a false flag by our government to create a panic that only the government could solve by eroding more of our freedoms. GMOs are being manufactured by the government and evil corporations. They are breeding out the nutrients, causing massive deaths from malnutrition. 
Fluoride added to tap water is used to dumb down the masses, making them easier to control and manipulate. Chemtrails following jets are chemical and mind control weather plots by the Rothschild family. Every school shooting dating back to Columbine is a false flag operation by the Illuminati designed to pass stricter gun laws and disarm the public. The government is pumping chemicals into the water supply to make people gay in order to help keep the population numbers down. George Bush's grandma may have gotten pregnant in a sex magic orgy with famous occultist Aleister Crowley, known then as the Beast, making Bush a direct descendant and possibly the Antichrist. Barack Obama is an actual demon who smells like sulfur in person, and who is organizing troops made out of black and brown youth gangs who will carry out his New World Order. Beyonce's Rock Nation hand sign during the 2013 Super Bowl was a signal that the New World Order takeover is imminent, any day now. John Benet Ramsey was kidnapped by the Illuminati and replaced with mind control puppet Katy Perry. Hillary Clinton and John Podesta are running a satanic child sex trafficking ring out of a DC pizza parlor and arcade. It's time to wake up, sheeple. It's time to open your eyes and know that you have been lied to. What will you do when the New World Order comes? So let's start here. Why are some people, including me, more prone to believing in conspiracy theories like this one? Some psychologists believe that these myths express the human need for control, that the Illuminati theory acts as a kind of coping mechanism. Because as strange as it might be, it can actually be more comforting to believe in an impossibly complex evil system of control over everything than to face the possibility that everything bad that happens might be random, indifferent, meaningless chaos. As complicated as these interwoven parts of the conspiracy theory may seem, they are nonetheless a method of simplification. The Illuminati lets us believe that the past, present, and future are fixed, that at least someone or something is in control of our earthly fate, and thus can be defeated in an easier way, because the battle is against one single evil entity, rather than against a million smaller ones, the vast broken systems, corrupt individuals, inefficient and unjust laws. Maybe the idea that reptilian aliens control the government is simply another metaphor, this time for the anxiety we feel when we experience the control of a group that often does not have our best interests at heart. Saying the government is acting selfishly, violently, and secretly just doesn't express how scary that powerlessness truly feels. You know what kind of does, though? Cold-blooded, emotionless reptilian aliens. Having this secret knowledge also makes people feel special. It made me feel kind of special. And secret knowledge can mimic that feeling of power. And so creating a narrative where you're a valiant superhero fighting to the death against an ancient league of all-powerful supervillains, it's an attractive choice to make. Scientists and psychologists also point to a mental shortcut known as pattern perception. We all have an automatic system in place inside our brains that attempts to recognize patterns so that we can predict future events and keep ourselves safe. Patterns of color to recognize what's safe to eat, facial patterns to help us identify what others are feeling, and language patterns to help us communicate. But some folks have what's called illusory pattern perception. Basically, the mental shortcut turned up to 11, and they see patterns and connections everywhere. In one experiment, spotting patterns in random computer-produced strings of numbers. People with this illusory pattern perception might see ghosts in darkness, UFOs in the stars, or see signs telling them about their life's true path. All stuff that at one point or another has been true about me, and some of it's still true. Of course, a small group of people do, in a sense, control the world, and since the creation of government, this has been the central struggle, the knowledge that power is not evenly distributed, not even close. 
Though the Occupy Wall Street movement popularized the term the 1% during the worldwide protests that began in 2011, it's actually more accurate to mention the 0.01%. 16,000 Americans have as much money as 80% of the rest of the population. And of course, this wealth is used to influence politics. We are at the mercy of people in power, and those in power can and at times do largely act from their own self-interest with sometimes dire consequences. All will they do weird rich people bullshit in the woods. It truly isn't hard to find evidence of government and corporate corruption, but it's impossible to find hard evidence of any kind of all-encompassing conspiracy linking all these separate events together in a meaningful way. In fact, the conspiracy theory gives way too much credit to those in power, that they could successfully orchestrate fake natural disasters and school shootings, create mind control technology, convene successfully with demons and Satan himself to bolster ancient spiritual power, all while keeping everything secret, hiding all the evidence, and teasing us with secret signals and pop songs. They're just not that smart. But the layering of these conspiracy works that say otherwise create a kind of canon, that is, a collection of sacred texts that build on one another, making reference only to the fabricated works that came before, which make references to the ones that came before that, until it appears as hundreds of footnotes of evidence, making it look legitimate enough to believe. And now, here we are in 2018. You can buy tights from Hot Topic printed with the all-seeing eye. Moms know all about the Illuminati from reading Dan Brown's books like Angels and Demons that reinvigorated the suspicions of Freemasons and the Founding Fathers, and now they eye Masonic lodges as they pass them in their minivans. Just last year, famous country singer Charlie Daniels of the Devil Went Down to Georgia fame, who shares conspiracy theories on a regular basis, tweeted in response to Taco Bell's new Bell-Luminati commercial, Hey Taco Bell, the Illuminati is not a frivolous subject. To most of us, the Illuminati has become a meme, a running joke, a punchline, but it's also continued to inspire those who have more trouble discerning fact from fiction, those who may already have an old folk devil in mind. With the tragedy at Charlottesville's Unite the Right rally in 2017, the hidden anti-Semitism of the Illuminati conspiracy has been revealed again and has entered back into the mainstream conversation. Just last year, a huge group of neo-Nazis, many of them young men bolstered by the same conspiracy theories of a Jewish Illuminati, descended on the park that once held Occupy Charlottesville, a place I spent a lot of time at in 2011 and 2012 when I was a grad student at UVA. And now I can look back and see that the same theories that once circulated through the quirkier camps of Occupy that were told to me late at night around a fire burning on a portable iron fire pit about a global conspiracy of CEOs and politicians that had been running the show since the beginning had also been circulating in the right-wing militia circles that came there to replace us, only with a different villain, with one of the oldest and most common historical folk devils, the Jewish people. At the end of the Unite the Right rally, a young self-proclaimed neo-Nazi who had been sharing these Jewish conspiracy theories on social media drove his car through a crowd of counter-protesters that included people I knew, killing 32-year-old Heather Heyer. It's not hard to see how these conspiracy theories directly influenced the 2016 election, a time when the general public's desire for an anti-establishment candidate burned hot. In 2013, polls showed that 23% of voters believed in the existence of a secret group that had a globalist agenda and was attempting to rule the world through an authoritarian government. 
And now we have a president in office that frequently uses these theories, ones about a deep state conspiracy against him run by George Soros, who also pays protesters who come out against his policies. Democratic donor Soros, a liberal Jew, has all but become the new Rothschild, accused of paying migrant workers crossing the border, of creating fake disasters and school shootings, of controlling the weather. During the recording of this episode, a man opened fire in the Tree of Life synagogue, killing 11 people in the worst anti-Semitic crime in American history. In addition, hate crimes against Jewish people rose 57% between 2016 and 2017. I think we need to understand that there's a narrative that we may not be hearing, but one that's nonetheless being told, one that has affected our past devastatingly, as well as our present, from the Holocaust to the Oklahoma bombing to Charlottesville and now to the Tree of Life shooting. The man responsible for the shooting had shared all of these same conspiracy theories on his social media before the shooting happened. As he entered the synagogue, he yelled, I can't sit by and watch my people get slaughtered. Screw your optics. I'm going in. Just because someone believes in the Illuminati doesn't mean that they're aware of its anti-Jewish connotations. I certainly wasn't. For a long time, no one I talked to manically, none of the weird kindred spirits I chatted with about the theories ever brought up elite Jews or the Holocaust. Until one day, someone did. They told me about the fake Holocaust and about who the Illuminati really were. And they talked to me like all of this was obvious. They assumed that I was already on board. And then, like when you learn a new word and start hearing it everywhere, I began to see the anti-Semitism everywhere I looked. I watched as musician and reality star Tila Tequila, who I was once very fond of when she was the star of the bisexual reality TV show A Shot at Love, don't judge me, Well, she went from writing a bizarre rambling blog about the New Age fight against the reptilian overlords to an essay she wrote called Why I Sympathize with Hitler Part 1 to a full-blown photo shoot of her in a sexy Nazi uniform, the saturated blue sky and righteous clouds beaming in behind her. I wondered, what if, by the time that true Illuminati believers uncover the anti-Semitism at the heart of the theory, are they already primed to believe it? As we saw with the militia movements of the 1990s, the New World Order theory can empower dangerous people as the only true victims of our collective story and can turn those who have been systematically oppressed into the secret villains. Illuminati theorists can deem anyone they want as part of the enemy because in their own minds, they themselves are the hunted ones, and every real hate crime, every proven tragedy is nothing but an illusion. Our world is so complicated that I often don't know who the real villains are, but likely some of them have gotten drunk in the woods of Bohemian Grove. I do know who they're not. A small religious community gathered quietly on a Saturday morning, the group that was accused by the gunman as carrying out a genocide against his people, his people being the white race. Human beings create stories to justify their violence, and this conspiracy has become an ultimate kind of excuse, a dramatic pretend battle to live proudly inside of, one that distracts devastatingly from real, vital issues. This Illuminati mess is corny as hell, as Beyonce has adequately mentioned, but, like Charlie Daniels said, it is not a frivolous subject. It's something deadly serious, not because the Illuminati is real, but because of what the story can embolden people to do.
Next time on the show, in a two-part series, I'll take this fear of world domination one step further. The 1980s and early 90s saw an extreme phenomenon known as satanic panic sweep the U.S. The belief that everything from heavy metal to Sunday morning cartoons were indoctrinating the young into satanic cults, and that daycare workers were engaged in outrageous satanic ritual abuse of children all over the country, leading to the longest and most expensive trial in American history. Part one is coming in two weeks. American Hysteria is written and produced by me, Chelsea Weber-Smith. Assistant produced by Derek Smith. Produced and edited by Clear Camo Studios. Voice acting by Will Rogers. And thanks to my guest, Austin Smith. If you're enjoying the show, please subscribe, rate, and